Luke 3, uh, 21 through 22. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form, like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. If James would please come up. Good evening. Lord, please be with us as uh, James comes to preach our message. Please bless your word as it goes forth. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Help us to seek you and draw near to you. It is in Christ's holy and precious name in which we pray and in whom we trust. Amen. So before I begin, I want to start out with just a couple of ground rules. Um, So for women, uh, when the Bible describes you as sons, don't get upset about that. All right. Uh, I promise that's okay. Uh, The scriptures often, um, you know, the, the Lord speaks in a figurative way and with the concept of sons that just presents the idea of us being adopted uh, into Christ uh, and us being um, children of the Father and recognized in Christ. Uh, so the church gathered together all recognizes sons. Uh, now, men, uh, when the Bible describes you as bride, don't get upset about that uh, because the Bible does speak in a figurative form. Uh, oftentimes, and so the concept of the church as bride is to represent the idea of us being one in Christ. Uh, though something completely other than Christ, we are one uh, in Him. Um, so, sons and bride, um, don't uh, don't get on edge if you hear those terms. You're like, hold on a minute. Uh, so. Uh, all right, we're looking at the baptism of our Lord uh, as presented in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, so just a, just a very short two-verse section. Uh, and what, uh, what you should recall, what we've already been through going through Luke, um, you should recall uh, the, the concept of Jesus being declared to be the Son of God, you know, we, we see that when, when the angel uh, comes to talk to Mary. Uh, we see that he is declared to be the Son of God. And you see that, you know, this time you see God the Father proclaiming that on the Son in his baptism. Uh, and also, uh, you need to consider uh, forgiveness of sins, uh, as mentioned by Zechariah uh, back in chapter 1 of Luke. Uh, and then... Uh, Something that is very subtle in Luke that I think he is uh, presenting to us is the concept of Jesus the Lord as the true high priest. Um, So you get get a sense of Jesus' priesthood being announced through the beginning stages of Luke. And you see that in such cases as um, his eagerness to be in the temple. 
Um, you see that when Luke presents Jesus at the age of 12, staying behind in the temple, and Mary and Joseph losing him. Um, and, and so you, you see uh, this, uh, this zeal for the Lord's temple. Uh, and, uh, and here you see Jesus uh, described as being around the age of 30. Uh, and he is going through this washing ritual that John the baptizer has started. Uh, this, this, watching, this washing ritual for uh, repentance. And, and Jesus partakes of this washing ritual, uh, and you see that what happens to the Christ is something very different that occurred to everybody else who was baptized. And so kind of the question arises, so what in the world uh, is the sinless Christ doing being baptized when the text says that it's, uh, it's a baptism of repentance a baptism for forgiveness of sins. Uh, and so just, just to keep in mind the, the priestly aspect of Christ, um, you see Christ representing and identifying with the people. And we know that he's going to be put forth to be sacrificed. You know, we know in the Old Testament what the priest would do is the priest would wash himself, wash the sacrifice, and then present the sacrifice. Here we see Jesus is both priest and sacrifice. And in his baptism, uh, he is displayed as such, as one who will be going forth to represent the people to be sacrificed. Uh, and so you see that baptism waters are, they're, they're ultimately death waters. Um, there, there, is, there is an aspect there, uh, and I'm, as, I, as I go through this sermon... Um, and that's, that's one of the aspects that we will definitely see um, is baptism waters as death waters. Um, so my, my original title for this sermon, I guess it didn't make it to the bulletin, uh, but it is, What Do You Mean by This Service? Uh, which is a question that you see asked in Exodus chapter 12. In Exodus, in Exodus chapter 12, you see, um, this, is in, this is in regards to the ritual of the Passover, uh, but it says, and when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel and Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Uh, and so this just brings up the, the concept of, uh, you know, what exactly ceremonial rituals are for in the scriptures. And, and one of these concepts is for raising up the next generation, for teaching the next generation. And I think it's a, it's a very important question when in discussing baptism. You're going to get questions from the young in the church. You're going to get questions from outsiders. And the question is, what do you mean by this service? What is it about? What, what does that mean to uh, be plunged in to the waters? Um, you know, what, what is this service about? Uh, and that's what I'm going to uh, look at uh, attempting to do for you in this sermon. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, been, it's been three years since I've been uh, through seminary training. I've uh, not exactly kept deep into study like I used to. Um, I apologize if this is 
uh, kind of a, a choppy sermon. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to look through the Old Testament to present to you um, what this baptism service means. Because um, there's, there's a very simple sense in what baptism declares, but also you know, the scriptures often present something that says many things at the same time. Um, and so uh, first thing we want to look at, uh, I want to, um, and, and so before, before going that direction, I, I do want to say, you know, when you go through the New Testament, uh, I know um, the, the, simple, the simple way to view baptism as it is uh, plainly dis- displayed is as a washing ritual. Um, kind of representing uh, the being cleansed of our sins uh, and, and adoption as the Lord's children. Um, so, you know, very, very simply put, that's, that's very clear and easy to grasp. But as you read through the New Testament, you see um, some other things that, that don't exactly seem to line up with that. Um, that tells us that baptism also means some other things. Uh, you see uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 as he describes the Exodus event, uh, passing through the Red Seas. He describes that as a kind of a baptism. Uh, and then you see Peter in 1 Peter uh, chapter 3 when he talks about Noah and the flood. He describes that as a baptism event. Uh, you know, and when you, when you look at those events, you don't necessarily see those as um, kinds of, of washing, uh, but yet they still get uh, the description of baptism uh, by these apostles. Um, so I just want to uh, take a walk with you through the Old Testament uh, to answer the question, what do you mean by this service when it comes to baptism? Uh, so uh, when we look at the creation event, uh, so we know God is our almighty, all-powerful creator. And there's really any number of different ways that he could have brought about creation. Um, but he did things in a very particular way. As you read through um, the creation account, you see that when God has created the heavens and the earth, um, you see this uh, description of there being waters and the spirit, the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters. Uh, and so when you read Luke's account, I think part of what you're supposed to grasp there is a kind of a new creation event. You see Jesus being plunged into the, into the waters, and you have the hovering spirit coming down upon him. Um, so as to say that through Christ, God is bringing about a new creation. Uh, in, in the creation event, uh, what you have is um, this, this kind of an odd, uh, odd verse. I think it's in verse 4 of chapter 1 of Genesis uh, where it talks about uh, the waters below and the waters above. And between those waters you have uh, the, the firmament, which is described as the sky, the heavens, uh, which you know, includes the stars. So somewhere uh, between the waters of earth and are uh, somewhere above the waters of earth in the sky and outer space, the scripture expresses this kind of waters above, like heavenly waters. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's 
um, supposed to be taken in uh, you know, more of a, a real sense or more of a figurative sense of these heavenly waters. Uh, but uh, one of the things that you can picture in Christ's baptism is a kind of heaven coming down to earth. When you see that in Christ's baptism, uh, the heavens were opened. And you see that it is declared upon him uh, that he is the Son of God. Uh, and so, uh, just in this, in this picture of baptism, we see uh, the, the heavenly waters opening up as though Christ is passing through the heavenly waters, opening the way for us to pass through those heavenly waters. Um, so there's, uh, there's that uh, creation uh, aspect to, to baptism. Uh, and you see uh, land in the beginning of creation. You see there's water and the Lord brings land up out of the water. Uh, and uh, so there you see uh, baptism as a, uh, as a way of coming into a kingdom. Uh, you see in the very beginning the Lord is setting up his kingdom, bringing land out of the waters. And with Jesus' baptism, you know, Jesus comes in. And he prepares the way to usher in his kingdom. Um, so again, this this new creation event. Um, and uh, so God is bringing about a new creation in Christ. Uh, with, uh, with the garden, um, what we read about in the garden picture is water flowing out from the garden. And uh, also, uh, you know, there's there's... Many who have speculated that this idea with Adam and Eve being in the garden and the waters flowing out from the garden is that Adam and Eve would populate the earth. And as uh, the earth gets populated, uh, people would go out, cultivate the land and ultimately turn the world into a full garden world. Uh, And so you see uh, you see with uh, baptism. Uh, as as Luke has recently presented for us in Luke chapter three, verse nine, uh, that people are like trees. Uh, it says, uh, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Uh, you see people, uh, human beings uh, relate to the land that God has created. And we are described as trees that are to bear fruit uh, and. So with the, the command that we see in Matthew twenty eight nineteen, known as the Great Commission, uh, to disciple the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, it's, uh, it's God's way of describing that he is transforming this world into a garden world. We are to go and water this world, to produce trees that produce good fruit. Uh, that's, that's also more of uh, the, the symbolism uh, displayed in baptism. Uh, when you get to uh, the Noah event, the event of the flood, um, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, he describes this event as a baptism. Uh, but what we ultimately see in this event is judgment and destruction. Uh, you know, what we see, uh, we see a, a world full of lots of people, and all but eight are wiped out with waters. Uh, And this event can be described as a new creation event. You go back to Genesis chapter 1, what do you have? You have a world that's all full of water again. 
And then you have this, this picture in the Old Testament of uh, the dove uh, flying um, and you know, describes wind blowing over the waters. And um, these, these images of the dove and wind are typically associated with the Holy Spirit. And so you see this, this presentation of a, a new creation coming about in the time of Noah. And uh, what, what you should catch is the deliverance of Noah and his family. And in baptism, what we are also describing, not only washing of sins, uh, but being delivered, being delivered from judgment, being delivered from wickedness. Uh, which is what we see uh, Noah and his family, we could say, ultimately pass through these waters of death to new life and a new creation, which the Lord established. And you have uh, the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters, ultimately bringing about this new creation. Um, baptism, we can say, speaks of this. Uh, uh, with Moses, uh, Moses, when... Uh, when Moses was born, the Pharaoh would uh, the Pharaoh decreed that all the male infants of the Israelites were to be cast into the Nile. Um, the Nile became death waters, and you see with Moses that Moses uh, is it's kind of like a new Noah event. Noah uh, or Moses placed in an ark uh, by about he's about three months old. And he goes through these waters of death as though, um, as though he has conquered death. Uh, and, and we recognize this as a display of what Moses was ultimately going to do in delivering uh, the Israelites from the Egyptians when they passed through the waters of the Red Sea. Um, and so you, know, you, you see that, that concept there that um, Moses was to be um, like one who was to conquer death. Uh, with the Exodus event, uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 2, uh, we see Paul describe the Exodus event as a baptism event. And you see this same concept. You see uh, these waters of death that God's people are able to pass through. And God ultimately used those waters to bring judgments on the ones who uh, were executing his people's children. Uh, he he uh, kind of uh, a very uh, poetic justice moment of uh, giving uh, the Egyptians uh, basically a taste of their own medicine. Um, and, and so, again, these concepts of, of death waters, the, the wrath of God, uh, the Israelites passing through these waters, going to a new kingdom, a new land, uh, ultimately, uh, again, like like being a new creation, uh, you know these these are things that baptism speaks of. Uh, the priests of the Old Testament, uh, you you see uh, in Exodus chapter forty twelve through thirteen, you see that the priests wash before the glory cloud fills the tabernacle, and this is like a picture of Jesus's baptism as displayed in Luke chapter three. Um, you see Jesus being washed. Again, like a, like a priestly washing. You see Jesus being washed. You see uh, the Holy Spirit coming down like the glory cloud filled the tabernacle. Uh, and Jesus, uh, we know as the true tabernacle, uh, you know, he is, he is 
the, the one um, filled by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so uh, it's uh, baptism is a priestly washing. It's like a, a priesthood ordination ritual. Uh, in uh, in First Peter two nine he says, "But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light." Uh, and and you see in there uh, that you know if 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 Peter uh, is going to declare us all as a royal priesthood. It, it would make sense that what baptism is is ultimately uh, an ordination ritual, called to a holy calling, um, called to uh, holy living, to stand before the Lord in service to the Lord. Uh, in Galatians three twenty seven, it says, "For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ." Uh, and just bringing up this this concept that instead of you know in in our priesthood ordination through baptism we don't put on the holy garments that the priests of the Old Testament put on. Uh, what it says we put on is we put on Christ, and baptism is a picture of us putting on Christ. Uh, in Joshua, uh, there is a second crossing event. Uh, we know that. Uh, the Lord delivered the Israelites from the Egyptians through the Red Sea. And when Joshua takes over uh, after the people uh, ultimately rebelled uh, and, and were wicked and the Lord turned them away, he didn't give them the land that they were promised because of their wickedness. Uh, we see that through Joshua, the Lord leads the people through the Jordan as though going through dry land. The Jordan, the same Jordan that the Christ was baptized in. Uh, so with, with Joshua, we see what we can describe as another baptism event. Uh, and another interesting uh, point with this baptism event is after they cross the waters, it says in Joshua 4.21, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over the Jordan on dry ground. Uh, when, uh, when the people passed through uh, the Jordan before entering the land, uh, what Joshua did was he had 12 priests, one priest from each tribe, to select a stone that would be placed uh, at the Jordan. Uh, so you would have these 12 stones at the, at the Jordan, which were to um, be a, a symbol and a representation of the Lord's deliverance of the people. And so when the people... Uh, when, when the children would ask, what are these stones for? The people would have uh, a tale to tell uh, about the Lord and his deliverance. And that's what we have with baptism. Uh, as, as more and more people are brought into the church and baptized, we carry forth into the future um, this tale to tell of deliverance and of God and his greatness. Uh, with... Uh, Another, another point um, with Joshua, you see uh, the, the Red Sea deliverance is kind of a picture and representation of being delivered from Satan. Uh, Pharaoh often described as a Satan figure uh, in the Old Testament. 
and the Lord delivering the people from Satan. In our baptism, that also displays that, that we are delivered from Satan. Uh, And in the Joshua event, uh, ultimately, the people aren't being chased when they cross the Jordan. But the Lord parts the waters for the people to cross anyways. Uh, You see in this picture uh, deliverance from our sins. You see uh, the people were in the wilderness on account of their sins, and the Lord delivered them from their sins. And we can say that uh, in baptism, that's a picture of the Lord delivering us from our sins by grace. Uh, In the law, if you were unclean, ceremonial, ceremonially unclean um, through uh, which whichever means, uh, as the law describes it, you were to be cleansed before you can join with God's people. You had to cleanse yourself with washing. Uh, And we can say um, that with baptism, it unites us back. uh, Well, it unites us with a people just as the washings in the law would uh, you know, as you were uncleaned, you had to be separated from the people. You would wash yourself uh, before coming back to the people. Uh, and, and that happens in baptism. We are united with a people. Um, when we get to uh, Elijah, Elijah uh, at the Jordan is where he hands uh, basically his ministry off to Elisha. Um, At the Jordan is also where Moses handed his ministry off to Joshua. And it is at the Jordan where we see here in Luke that John the Baptist's ministry is handed off to Jesus. Uh, And it it represents this idea of ushering in something new, uh, this this place at the Jordan, uh, bringing about uh, this, uh, this new way. Um, this this new something greater that God is doing uh, with Elisha, uh, Naaman, the uh, the commander of Syria's armies at that time, uh, Naaman, he had leprosy, and he had uh, an Israelite servant girl who would serve his wife, and the Israelite servant girl mentioned to uh, Naaman's wife that if Naaman sought out the prophet Elisha, he could be healed. Uh, And so Naaman uh, went that route. And the method that Elisha prescribed for Naaman's healing was to dip himself in the Jordan seven times, um, seven being the number of creation. Uh, Naaman was to dip himself in the Jordan seven times, and he was to be healed. He almost didn't do it. Uh, He almost thought that was the silliest thing he'd heard of. He traveled all that way, and he almost didn't do it. Um, But he did it, and he was healed. He was, in fact, healed. Um, And that just speaks of baptism waters as uh, symbolizing healing. The baptism waters are death waters, but they are also healing waters. Um, and so they, uh, they, they, they teach that we have been healed uh, of our sin. You know, we see in Jesus' ministry, uh, when, uh, when he heals the paralytic, what does he tell him? He says, your sins are forgiven. And he was healed. Uh, ultimately, sin uh, is, is at the root of all our troubles. And baptism speaks of us being healed 
of our sins because of the work of Christ. Uh, in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 1, uh, Isaiah says, uh, chapter 1, 16 through 17, he, he tells the people to wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Uh, those are ultimately, you can describe those as our priestly duties. Uh, we, we see that uh, as a kingdom, uh, a royal priesthood, uh, we are ultimately to love our neighbor. Uh, we are to go out. Jesus went through the waters of baptism. Uh, he went from there in his ministry. Ultimately, what he was going to do was to die for the world. And so do we. Uh, as we go through the waters of baptism, we declare that we are going forth to die for the world as our Savior has. Um, and those are our priestly duties to, to serve and, uh, and to, uh, to love our neighbor. Uh, with Jonah, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up um, Old Testament pictures of baptism with Jonah. But Jonah is an easy one. He plunged himself into the waters, ultimately as an act of repentance. You know, we see that. Um, he, he plunged himself into the waters and after three days of passing through the waters in the belly of the fish. He was brought through, ultimately, again, those death waters, and was brought through uh, as though um, resurrected, a new life, um, so that he could uh, go forth uh, to bring outsiders into the kingdom. And that's what we are set up to do as we go through uh, baptism. Um, you know, we, we pass through these waters of death, uh, the Lord brings us through as ones who have conquered death uh, to go forth uh, and to bring outsiders into his kingdom. Um, so baptism speaks of all this and so much more. Uh, we see uh, images of new creation. We see uh, the Lord growing a new garden. Uh, we see coming into a new kingdom. We see heaven coming down. To earth, we see deliverance from Satan, washed clean of our sins. We see adoption as sons. Uh, we are established as priests. We share in the Holy Spirit. We are united with the body of Christ. We are united with Christ in his death, and we are set apart for resurrection. You know, baptism declares all of these things. Um, and uh, I know it's a, it's a common phrase, uh, especially in our society, but people like to say uh, Christianity is a relationship and, and not a religion. Uh, but, you know, then, of course, when you have outsiders looking at Christianity, you know, they say, well, hold on a minute. You know, don't you guys do that funny thing where you bathe each other? Now, isn't that isn't that kind of isn't that kind of a, a religious thing? Isn't that a religion, a, a ritual? And, and yes. You know, it is. And I understand uh, I understand what's behind that mentality when we want to tell people that uh, Christianity uh, is a relationship and not a religion. We want to we want to say to people that we're not about working our way into favor with the Lord. Um, I understand that. But at the same time, uh, it's it's very it's very misleading. And, and you can say and you can clearly see uh, that this 
ritual of baptism that the Lord has established is a very, it's a religious thing. Uh, but ultimately what we say is that, um, you know, not, not only is Christianity, in fact, a religion, uh, but it is the true religion. Uh, it is, it is the good religion. Uh, and, you know, we, we don't get baptized in order for God to love us. You know, we, we get baptized because we know God loves us. Uh, you know, there, there, is that, there is that distinct difference there. Um, and so remember that, that baptism is God's idea. Baptism is a ritual, and, and that's okay. Uh, of course, it is wrong when uh, we treat the ritual wrongly, as we know many have done. There are many teachings about baptism, and most of them are flat-out wrong. Uh, and and so you can uh, you you can see uh, that um, you know it, it is okay to describe baptism as a ritual. Um, all right, but does baptism actually accomplish anything? You know, I know uh, it is also a, a very common thing to think that. Um, baptism is really kind of unnecessary. You know, I know I know there's a lot of people who who have that thought, um, and you know, and there is there is truth to that. If somebody, you know, you are saved before you're baptized, but if somebody, um, you know, if somebody uh, was to die just before they got baptized, we know that they would be with the Lord. Um, so there is. There is a sense where you can say that baptism is not necessary, but you can't really hold that as your main understanding of baptism. If you read like if you read the book of Acts, like baptism sounds like something that's very important. Baptism sounds like something that's a big deal uh, to the people that we read about in Acts. Um, And so. uh, So how are we supposed to look at baptism? Does baptism actually accomplish anything? I believe we're supposed to view baptism in the same sense uh, that we view uh, a marriage. You know, in in a marriage, uh, we don't just uh, we don't just allow people just to say, um, "Hey, we love each other. Okay, you're good to go." No, there's actually a ceremony performed. There's actually words declared over the people in the ceremony. And there's uh, a symbol that is given out, you know, the wedding ring. And, and all of these uh, just uh, solidify. They, they declare openly to the rest of the world that this is a married couple. And I think in baptism, the way we need to look at it is that this person baptized is a part of this royal priesthood. This person baptized is in the church. This baptism marks your entry into uh, this visible body of Christ. Um, And so does baptism uh, accomplish something? Uh, Yes. You know, in the same sense that uh, Aaron's ordination uh, as the high priest, uh, you know, at, at one point he was set apart and declared to be the high priest. And another point, he became that high priest. What stands in between there is his ordination. 
You know, he went through a specific prescribed ordination ceremony to become this high priest. Uh, And so in baptism, uh, we see uh, what you can describe as a worldly identity change. You know, you were once somebody who was not in the church, and now you are in the church. Baptism being a kind of entry gate. Uh, All right, so uh, just to wrap things up, baptism, it represents Christ and his work. Delivering a people from Satan and their sins. Uh, Rescuing a people to be his own possession, to declare his excellencies in the world. Um, It distinguishes the Christian from the world. You you are a baptized individual in the church. Uh, Baptism is an identity marker that separates you from the rest of the world, from outsiders who are not in Christ. It is initiation into the church, into this uh, visible body. Uh, It's as an ordination ritual into a priesthood. one called to stand before the Lord in service. And in baptism, you, know, you, you receive a new name, a new identity, a new past, and you are called to a new future. This, this doesn't make baptism a magical ritual. You are not automatically accepted because of baptism. Just because you are baptized, that doesn't mean you can go and live as a hellion. You know, just because you are baptized, that doesn't mean, all right, Lord, you can't touch me. You know, you, you have declared this over me in this, watch, in this washing ritual. I can do what I want now. Uh, no, that's, that's not, there is no magic in baptism in that regard. Um, you know, just as a disobedient priest uh, was judged after he was ordained as a priest, you know, so we too. Um, can be judged. Uh, you know, there are those who receive baptism uh, to which uh, it, it didn't mean anything to them. Uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, uh, it's, a, it's a warning passage, ultimately telling us to remember the Israelites who crossed the Red Sea and how they rebelled. You know, they went through their baptism in being delivered from the Egyptians and for many of them, it was as though it didn't mean anything. You know, you will find people to whom they have received baptism, and it is as though it didn't mean anything to them. Uh, you know, and we, and we know that uh, the Israelites were judged for their wickedness. Uh, and so baptism, it... it calls us ultimately as uh, housekeepers and, and those who are to guard and grow the church. These are our priestly duties. Uh, and so, you know, for us, we are to go and disciple the nations and to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, why in the Holy Trinity? Uh, because uh, our Lord who is a perfect community within himself, uh, wants to be uh, united uh, you know, with, uh, with others. He wants to invite more in. And don't be confused there. It's not as though we will be 
another member of the Trinity, another person of the Trinity. But no, we have such a God who wants to be in union with his creation. Uh, again, this concept of bride, um, you know, somebody who is something completely other being united as one with somebody who is completely other, completely different. Uh, and and that's, that's that unity um, that we have. And that's what uh, baptism um, declares for us. That's it. Uh, if you would, bow your heads with me. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this day, this time to uh, gather together uh, as uh, your body, as a royal priesthood to worship you. Uh, and Lord, we ask that you would uh, just call us to remembrance uh, of uh, our baptism and what that ultimately calls us to uh, and the life of of faithfulness that we are uh, to lead. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your love and your deliverance. Uh, And Lord, we, uh, we love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.